five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the Wisconsin DMA and the International Society for Strategic Marketing. Okay, well, Dan, my friend Dan, uh, Dan Emery, <laughs> uh, he wrote me and said the Michelob guy was fake. He said he was in the beer market and they would stage these things all the time. And so, and, and I was suspicious because he was holding it like this. <laughs> who holds, who holds a beer like that, right? With the logo forward, just perfectly. And at the very bottom. Okay. Nobody does. You hold it like this, right? Everybody holds it like this. And how do you orient it? Now, let's say you were, you could turn your hand. This is the way they do it in commercials like this. But the problem is if you do that, the spout is on the wrong side, completely wrong, right? Everybody orients it by the spout because the point of a beer can is the goodness inside it. So, totally fake, okay? That's the way we hold a beer, and that gives us more stability. This is, you spill your beer this way. Somebody bumps into you, you'll spill it. Okay, so, so Dan agreed with me that it was totally fake. And now let's go over to some more beer. <laughs> this is totally fake also. <laughs> Stella Artos unveils new ad campaign for beer unfiltered by showing it beer au natural. And there's two naked guys standing there in the in the <laughs> in the ad. Here's two naked girls and uh there's a elderly couple and they look pretty good for, you know, for their age. And here is the commercial. Let's click that on to see if that works. That didn't work. Then the fountain goes up. <laughs> so everybody in the town is naked, supposedly. And they're all covered up appropriately. Okay, so anyway, <laughs> we're going to talk about advertising, and this is advertising, okay? And the point they wanted to make, I don't know if I can, uh, but, but the point they wanted to make is that, is that beer hasn't, a, a beer hasn't, hasn't been, that hasn't been filtered allows the fresh flavor of the Bavarian hops to burst through for naturally refresh, refresh, refreshing flavor. And did you know that not all beer, uh, that beer has not always been um, filtered? Probably not. So anyway, that's enough of that. Let's get off that thing. You know, go over here to the PDF stuff. And um, okay, so... Also, according to Joe Mandazi, the ad market expands for the 14th month, rises 60% over April's 2020 lows. So it went down in April. This is the, a graph of the monthly change. So it went down, 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 and then it started changing. You know, this wasn't going up. This was just going down less, okay? It's a little bit of a confusing graph, as usual, with, uh, with market, you know, with media post. Okay, I've I've always I've offered many times to help them with their <laughs> with their graphics. So this it was going down the most and it was going down, 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 down. And then it leveled off at the bottom. This is what this graph shows, even though it looks like 
and then it started to go back up again quite rapidly and now it's going up less rapidly okay so we can figure that out and so it's been going up steadily 14 months since about march of 2021 okay and now i want to get over to last week I talked with, um, or I, I talked about Tom Roach's article, which was dovetailed in um, um, the the wrong and the short of it, and it was about it was about whether we should do short term advertising or long term advertising. Excellent program, I think one of the better ones, based on a uh, Tom Fishburn article. Okay, and um, in there, Tom quotes. Uh, Tom quotes Dr. Grace Kite, and he mentions magic numbers, which I'd never heard about. And so I tracked down magic numbers. I actually tracked down Dr. Grace Kite, and she was kind enough to give me some answer some of my questions on the magic numbers data. So that was wonderful. It's, lo it's lovely to be able to reach out and actually talk to the authors uh, that you mention on the show. So marketing effectiveness is, you know, there's this there's this message going out that there's a crisis in effectiveness, right? And that our ability to sell stuff using ads is in decline, which isn't a great message PR-wise because, and this is really a good line, it's already easy for CFOs to question whether marketing is worth it and to divert budget to other things. That is the constant battle for the marketing uh, di division or whatever. I just saw another big company got rid of the, Chief customer officer. <laughs> yeah, some of these things are fads and they don't belong in the C-suite, I think. The simple message that marketing works bears repeating. That is good. Because if we say it, if we say it doesn't work, we're not going to get any budget. <clears throat> Okay, and we're, we got another article from Tom Roach going on on that. And what she what she goes on to say is that they've combined. This is really interesting. They built a database, a database. I was like, when that happens, that was quite a bit larger than others that had come before it. They were the these these one, two, three, four, five, four, five companies got together and shared anonymized data on UK advertising so that they could evaluate the effectiveness. And I'm not exactly sure how they did it. I'd like to get more information um, from Dr. Grace uh, because in order to really know advertising effectiveness, you got to know what sells, what stuff did sell, and how well did you isolate the, the uh incremental impact of advertising which is something that basically we preach here on wdma.org so maybe dr grace you'd like to be on here and we'll have a chat about how you how you estimate no matter how much data you pile up unless you do holdout tests and other things it's very very difficult to decide which ad caused what over when very difficult we have ways to do it in direct mail and and some that also apply to other areas. But one of the problems with most advertising, especially social and digital, is that the the impact is so is so slight that it's hardly measurable. You know, like the Caterpillar billboard at County Stadium. How many Caterpillar tractors does that sell? 
Would the sales go down if they removed the billboard and said, we don't want to support Major League Baseball? Probably not. <laughs> They'd spend it someplace else. Okay, so anyway, um, the database was named ARC for the advertising research community that came together to build it. And what they found out was that for every pound you spend on advertising, 3.8 pounds were generated. Okay, and that's not a decline in revenue. Now, the question I had was, you know, some people, when they talk revenue, net revenue, sometimes, especially in the, in the market, will talk about revenue, and that means net EBITDA profit. But in the marketing world, it tends to mean sales, gross sales, not even subtracting returns, much less cost of goods or overhead. And so I asked her what that 3.8 uh, pounds meant and she said yes it means sales so this is what i would call return on ad spent on ad spend and she did say spent so she used that word so return on ad spent now unfortunately that's not profit it's not even close to profit so when i talk about in the lovesack case study when i talk about a 300 percent ebitda return on investment ROI, which she uses ROI also, so she's using these interchangeably. When I talk about ROI in my case study, I mean that when we spent a dollar on a catalog, got it in the mail, got it to somebody's house, we received about $10 of revenue. I think it was, it wasn't, but we're not going to say, because we don't want you to figure out all that, what the revenue to, <clears throat> to net profit is, although now it's a public company, so you can figure it out anytime you want. But <clears throat> at the time, we didn't. So we'll say that's something like $10 of ad spend, uh, you know, as high as 10, probably as low as six could be. That'd be, oh, that'd still be pretty good. Um, <clears throat> if they got, well, that would be a pretty high margin. You wouldn't probably get that. But anyway, so someplace in that neighborhood, and I have the numbers, I went back and found them all, by each key code, I have the, the net profit per piece per key code. <clears throat> but anyway, so a 380 might be break even. It might not. Depends on the it depends on the cost structure. So unless you have those numbers from the client, which we do because we take every order in and analyze it. That's part of what we do. What we've been doing for 25 years for direct mail companies is taking their orders and making sense out of the data that that generates. So we know when <clears throat> we know who got mailed and we know who got who ordered and we know the. The, the cost of goods and the items that they bought and all sorts of stuff like that. I doubt that ARC knows those things. But anyway, an excellent article. I'm going to go on to Tom Roach's uh, article, article here, Why Advertising Will Never Die. And he has uh, Dave Droga changed advertising. Now he wants to kill it. Is advertising as we know it dead? Is advertising dead? Is advertising as we know it dead? Is advertising dying? Why Advertising Pioneer says advertising is dead. From mad men to math men, will data kill advertising? Fascinating, especially with that little intro I gave you, right? Okay, so not only are people saying that advertising is ineffective, but they're saying it's dead. Now, your CFO better not get a hold of this article, or we're in big trouble unless they read to the end. Okay, so Tesla doesn't advertise. Jeff Bezos said only remarkable brands need it, right? So why do so many people do advertising down even from within the industry? It's a thriving global business that's never made a bigger global impact. The idea that advertising is dead or dying is bizarrely persistent. It can even be encountered with just three words, 
It, it can be countered with just three words. Alphabet, Meta, and Amazon. Tom Roach is brilliant, I have to say. I think he wrote me back and said thanks on when I posted his article. We'll, so we'll write him again. The, their combined revenue for advertising was around $240 billion. If Netflix joins the party with Apple also being a fast-growing ad business, the F-A-A-N-G flush will be complete, substituting F for Facebook and G for Google for their respective owners. For the first time ever, this is really something, a handful of the world's largest, most powerful companies are, are or at least include, significant advertising businesses. Who would have thought we could have pure money generated by pure advertising? So if your metric is commercial success, advertising has never been more alive. Oh, man. Tom, isn't this great? This is a great article, don't you think? Why do so many people think that it's dying? Well, part of it is they think that guys like me who came in with data back in, I did a talk at the New York Hilton in about 1984 and said, <laughs> and said uh, <clears throat> I'd like to use big screen big monitors so I could show the audience what I'm doing on my computer. They said, why would anybody want to use a computer in a presentation? We have slide projectors. I said, well, I want to kind of do it live dynamically with, you know, show what's going on. They'd never been asked that at the New York Hilton in, on Avenue of the Americas. So, and the talk was about why we should have computers in advertising. <laughs> there weren't any. There weren't any. You know, they weren't graphically good enough to draw anything. You could maybe write something on them, but not much. You couldn't set type. We pioneered that back in, let's see, that was in about 87, where we hooked a PC with PC write up to a CompuGraphic. CompuGraphic said we were the first ones ever to do that, but it wasn't pretty. Okay, so people hyped up the dawn of a new era of new technologies. It's technology's fault, obviously so. And I'm not that creative, so I probably... Should take credit for some of this. Make the 800 number bigger. Put a big new on the cover. <laughs> I've, I've, I've made money doing all kinds of schlocking up, as my creative directors would say. Okay, much of it's just really lazy headlining. It's just clickbait. Uh, we want to sell newer, shinier kinds of advertising. So the old is dead, out with the old, in with the new. The king is dead, long live the king. And agencies wanted to show where they were keeping up without looking out of date. And so they created this imaginary world called traditional advertising. Okay, and uh, social media became less social and more media. And, you know, you don't, do, don't, do, don't make ads, make TikToks. And, of course, TikTok buys a lot of traditional advertising <laughs> and even billboards in Times Square. Musk, you could say, doesn't use advertising, but <coughs> you could argue that when somebody pays tens of millions of dollars to fire a product into space, <laughs> placing it in front of the camera and live streaming the results to the entire planet. So if you say something like the monetization of attention, <laughs> Musk is already the world's richest person and perhaps its greatest showman. So don't say he doesn't advertise. Give me a break. Of course he does. <laughs> he got a lot of attention just this past couple weeks. Okay, so Be Bezos makes a famous and influential denunciation of advertising. 
He learns the value of advertising from Amazon's own data and changes his mind. <clears throat> Amazon becomes one of the largest global advertisers. And then Amazon builds one of the world's largest ad businesses, like right out of thin air. Okay, so don't say Bezos is a good a counterexample to advertising. Unless you've got a nose for, the, for fame as Musk uh, or for paying, <laughs> paying for attention is likely what you're going to need. So stand up for it and celebrate it, as Dr. Grace said. And I like this. We'll skip to the end. This is this is from the Magic Numbers database that we already uh, touched on. A typical campaign generates three pounds eighty on a on return on ad spend, and the winners generated thirteen. Now that's obviously going to be profitable. Almost has to be. Okay, unless you're really an idiot. Okay, uh, if you look at U.S. advertising as a percent of GDP, it's pretty close to float, flat, okay? Since, I can't read the numbers, since 1960, I believe that's it. Okay, so it's basically a historical content constant. Whenever there are eyeballs, there will be advertising, <clears throat> okay? And that's the end. Okay, so that was an excellent article, and uh, the only place that they really ban advertising uh, is in communist countries. Marx, if you read Das Kapital, which I'm sure few of you have, but all of you should, it's basically an economics book. It's not rah-rah at all. It's boringly dry, and he says that the only real value in any object is the material it's made out of and the labor it takes to build it. Ultra-simplistic, ultra because it doesn't take into account design uh, elegance, exclusivity, uh, rarity, or even basic function, right? <laughs> if you build a refrigerator out of enough metal and take long enough to do it, it's more valuable than one that actually works, according to that. And advertising was layered right on top of that. And he said, what value does advertising have? Well, the answer is <clears throat> it gives you choices. It, it creates a vote from the consumer. If advertising is banned, you only can you can only buy the state-sponsored car. And uh, Top Gear long ago did a show, and I featured it, about did communism ever create a car that anyone wanted? And there was a lot to it, really. Uh, so anyway, let's cheer for advertising today. Thank you, Dr. Grace. Thank you, Tom. And uh, thank you, Artos, for doing something truly memorable that we can't unsee. Have a great day. Like and share. Your friends will know you're smart. Make a comment. Share. Don't like. I don't care about likes. I want shares. Shares are worth 20 likes. And comment when I'm talking because then I can see somebody's hearing it. Have a great day. Bye-bye.